Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause and mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. All right, all right. Welcome to Geeky Magic. And as we begin to wind down 2021, I can hardly believe it, we are going to take a look back over the next several weeks over some of my favorite interviews and moments on the podcast, a mashup of sorts. So we are going to be taking some of my favorite interviews, putting them all together, and we've themed them as well. So our first inaugural mashup of 2021 is going to be all about ketosis. And of course, we have some awesome, awesome uh, guests here, including Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dominic D'Agostino, Ben Azadi, uh, yours truly, uh, myself, uh, Stephanie Stima, Dr. Mindy Pels, Dr. Will Cole, and Dr. Ethan Weiss, all weighing in on how we can apply this Uh, metabolic way of being really across different cohorts and across different populations. So without further delay, please enjoy the first Geeky Magic mashup on ketosis for 2021. All right. So we are starting with Ben Azadi, who basically describes ketosis, not just as a diet. I know we often refer to, you know, are you doing keto, you know, and then it's sort of lumped in with like paleo and AIP and all these different sort of diets. But what ketosis is, is a metabolic process where you are liberating stored energy, usually fat. That's what stored energy, that's what fat is. It's stored energy. And you are using that adipose. You're breaking down that triglyceride so that it can be used as a substrate for energy. And one of the through lines that you're probably going to notice through this mashup is that it's in all of these speakers that I've interviewed over the course of the year have all talked about this idea of doing it the right way. So whether you are doing keto in a way that's going to increase or decrease inflammation, whether you're doing it properly based on sex, based on, you know, neurological uh, status or, you know, autoimmune conditions, immune dysregulation, um, et cetera. So enjoy this clip from Ben explaining what ketosis is. 
Technically, keto is not a diet. It's a, a metabolic process. It's a, a metabolic state. And, and it has been around since humans have existed. Uh, all of our ancestors did keto. Their environment forced them into ketosis, but also they got out of ketosis. They, that's where the principle comes from keto flex, flexing in and out of ketosis. So what it is, is just teaching your body to burn fat instead of sugar. Uh, when we look at the body at, from a cellular level, there's 70 trillion cells in the body or so, give or take, but the cells could only choose two sources of fuel. Either we're burning fat and producing ketones or we're burning sugar uh, and burning glucose. But the, the problem is this, most people who are metabolically damaged, meaning they have insulin resistance, type two, type two diabetes, they're overweight like I was, they are stuck as sugar burners. And, and that is a problem because when the cell is stuck as a sugar burner, that creates a lot of cellular byproducts, uh, which are toxins. And I compare a cell that's burning glucose and only glucose to a truck, uh, a Mack truck that's speeding through the streets with all the smoke being blasted out of the exhaust pipe, going all over the other cars, going all over the trees, staining the roads. That's kind of what it's like when the cells are burning glucose, creating a lot of cellular smoke and inflammation around the cell and the cell membrane. But when we could teach the body to do keto the right way, the way we're gonna speak about it today, and burn fat instead of sugar, that's like a Tesla cruising through your streets. It's a much cleaner source for the surrounding environment when your cells are burning fat and producing ketones, it's a much cleaner source for your cellular environment. So when somebody says, isn't that going to harm you, clog your arteries, uh, inflame you, et cetera, they could be right. If you do it the wrong way, you could get the opposite result of what you want. But if you do it the right way, it could be such a powerful tool to reduce inflammation and allow your body to heal. And here we have Dr. Sarah Gottfried uh, up next. One of the top episodes, I might say, of all time on the podcast. I believe she's number two. Um, and here she is. Talk, we interviewed her in September for the launch of her book, Woman, Food and Hormones. And in this clip, she is talking about the keto paradox, which is Men respond better to keto typically than women, especially in the way that it is classically applied. Now, Dr. Gottfried and I, uh, I have such reverence for her and her work. There are so many parallels between her approach to keto and mine, including recognizing, of course, that women are not little men and that we need to really increase, for example, for women over the long term, increasing things like protein and carbohydrates in order to support uh, the thyroid. Now she's talking about um, male bias in the ketogenic literature when she was first starting uh, to try keto. The first attempt at that was Atkins way back in the day. And then when, you know, kind of digging in, she had the same observation that I did, which was that there's a lot of men studied with keto. Uh, and generally I'd say there's much more male research in the literature than there is female, uh, largely because researchers tend to be male and research is often like me search, right? We want to kind of look and see uh, what are some, you know, some of the parameters or whatever variable it is, according to what the researcher is interested in. So she talks about male bias in the keto literature. And if the ketogenic diet is done too aggressively, so we restrict carbs too aggressively, for example, uh, we can, uh, what has been documented in the literature, of course, is dysregulated menstrual cycles, developing women developing thyroid issues, and of course, weight loss um, resistance.
And Dr. Sarah talks about uh, the ketogenic diet as a medical intervention, uh, you know, for everything from cancer to metabolic dysregulation uh, to obesity and beyond. And she talks about this idea of super responders to keto. Those are typically men, uh, people who really respond quite well uh, to a ketogenic diet. And she talks about how you can adapt the keto diet for women. You will find uh, just some beautiful parallels between her work and my Mine, uh, that I write about in the Betty Body. And then she also identifies poor responders. So people who don't typically do well on a ketogenic diet, where we might see inflammatory biomarkers uh, elevate, like increased LDL, uh, you know, increased HSCRP, you know, other, other uh, categories or other biomarkers that may uh, appear dysregulated when they're done incorrectly. And to her point, she's really all about precision medicine and being able to nuance the ketogenic diet for women, if that's... Uh, you know, if you are a woman wanting to do keto and the need for personalization. So enjoy, uh, enjoy this, uh, recount from Dr. Gottfried on her experiences in keto and how we can, uh, do better at personalizing the ketogenic diet. So I came up against the, the keto paradox myself. That's how I first started to notice this issue, the sex difference with keto and it, it came up first when I did the Atkins diet with my husband back when we were engaged and we were getting ready for our wedding. He lost 20 pounds in a short amount of time. I maybe lost two pounds. It was so frustrating. And, you know, I, I just kind of chalked it up at the time to, well, you know, he's an athlete. He exercises more than me. I was seeing patients and, you know, exercising as much as I could. But then you go forward 18 years later, uh, Hopefully I'm getting the math right here. So around 2015, I was trying the ketogenic diet because I heard about it for epilepsy and for Alzheimer's disease and for weight loss. And I felt like, well, before I prescribe this to patients, I wanna try it myself. So once again, my husband and I went on the ketogenic diet, paid a lot of attention to macros, you know, got the ratio right, the 70-20-10 and, uh, I did not lose weight. In fact, I gained weight. So I'm in my 40s at this point. My husband, of course, you know, again, dropped about 20 pounds. And that's when I realized, wow, you know, 90% of the literature on the ketogenic diet is in men. And the ones that are done on women, mostly they're adolescents, like with epilepsy and look at all the problems that they have. They've got more thyroid dysfunction. They've got, you know, 45% of them would lose their menstruation, so issues with uh, luteinizing hormone, pulsatility, estrogen, progesterone, probably testosterone in those folks as well. So that's what got me to look at this issue of the difference between men and women and why men have so much of a robust response to the ketogenic diet compared to women. We need more evidence and literature and research on women. But there's some other aspects to the keto paradox too, which is I think of it as a medical treatment. I think of it as a medical intervention. It's not something that I think people should just uh, do on their own with no supervision and no guidance and recommendations about how to keep them safe. Because there's some people who respond so well to the ketogenic diet, both men and women, there are super responders. So we wanna understand who those people are 
because those are the ones who are ideally matched to a ketogenic diet. The ones who uh, don't respond as a super responder, we want to make some adaptations for those women so that they can get a better response, more similar to what we see in men. And then there's folks who have issues with the ketogenic diet. And that's part of the paradox too. You know, there's some literature, I remember reading some papers by Siddhartha Mukherjee, who's an oncologist at Columbia. And he's been writing about the use of a ketogenic diet in different types of cancer. There's some cancers for which a ketogenic diet might be a really good idea especially the ones that feed on glucose, but then there's other cancers where it may not be a good idea. So there's a bit of a paradox and we wanna be able to understand this nuance. It's not a blanket statement that keto is good for everyone. I wanna be sure that that comes through loud and clear because we have to personalize. We have to figure out, is the ketogenic diet the right fit for you? Even if you lose weight and you have you know, better brain function, is it creating inflammation elsewhere? Is it raising your, uh, you know, your LDL, your lipoprotein? Is it affecting some of those inflammatory biomarkers that we need to be tracking? So that's the keto paradox. Basically, it's that men do a lot better than women, but we want to then understand the why and how to address it. And here we have a clip from yours truly. Um, this is one from one of my geeky magics earlier this year, talking about the importance of honoring as a woman, our fertility and trying to optimize for our fertility. And this is sort of continuing on the theme from Dr. Gottfried, this idea that keto and women, sometimes we're best friends, sometimes we're not, but you have to really find that right balance. And I, I talk about, and I've said this many times, that women should not be in keto in, in the state of ketosis forever. We should be oscillating in and out of ketosis from being glycolytic or, you know, using glucose as a substrate to being, uh, um, lipolytic, which is breaking down fat, uh, for a, um, for use for energy. And that women often need to increase our carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are not the enemy. It's the type of car carbohydrates and the quantity of carbohydrates uh, and the timing uh, very much so of carbohydrates that make the difference. So I talk about in this clip how we can increase our carbs and increase our proteins and how we should not be fasting too aggressively, another area where we should not be behaving like men or calorically restricting too aggressively either. And this is actually how we optimize for our fertility and for our menstrual cycle. So for those of you that are, um, uh, that are still in your reproductive years, optimizing for your menstrual cycle and your fertility, these are vital signs in the same way that you might say heart rate or blood pressure, oxygen saturation, heart rate variability. These are things that we want to be looking for as a woman. You also want to include into that, those, that a category of vital signs is your menstrual cycle. And I talk about this in the Betty Body about how your menstrual cycle is your hormonal report card. So please enjoy my little geeky magic carpet ride on fertility and keto. This sort of like forever ketosis forever. Um, I, this is where I really depart from many people in the ketogenic world, specifically as it, as it relates to women. I outright discourage it. I don't think that women should be in ketosis um, forever. And I think that a low carbohydrate uh, 
moderate to high protein diet may be a better choice for females that are, that are, that are trying this approach. And this is what I've seen clinically where if we, uh, in women who are of a, you know, healthy weight, if we restrict carbohydrates too aggressively and you pair that with aggressive fasting and you pair that with aggressive caloric restriction, all mayhem breaks loose. So we want to be considering our fertility as women. And to do so, we can manipulate our macronutrients, so our carbohydrates, fats, proteins, uh, across the cycle to optimize for our fertility. And I've said this before, I think it's worth repeating, our menstrual cycle and by extension our fertility is a vital sign. In the same way that you want to be tracking your blood pressure over time, your heart rate over time, your respiratory rate over time, your oxygen saturation through the day, you want to be tracking the ebbs and flows of your menstrual cycle and the symptoms that come up will tell you where you need to put your attention. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes, and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing, salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. Element T also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want. And if you don't like it, they will refund your money. No questions asked. And you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free Element T sample pack with any purchase. In this next clip, we have Dominic D'Agostino, who, someone who I have followed for years. It was such a treat to have him on the show because he does a lot of research in the uh, in brain metabolism and the effect that the ketogenic diet, the application of the ketogenic diet can have on neurological disorders such as seizures. And in this clip, he's talking about ketosis on the brain, the effect that ketosis has on the brain in in, in certain brain markers, such as reducing inflammation, increasing mood, improving cognition. And he tells a story here about um, uh, a foundation he was talking to the leaders or the parents, um, their son having a neurological uh, disorder and being uh, bipolar and not being able to stick to the keto diet. For whatever reason, it was too aggressive for them. Uh, That individual wasn't able to do it. But once they integrated exogenous ketones, which is, you may have heard of them, and actually Dom's uh, wife, uh, Chilla, uh, has created uh, an exogenous exogenous ketone company called Audacious Nutrition, which I love. We'll put a link for that in the show notes for you. But the use of exogenous ketones in this particular instance with this bipolar individual was able to augment uh, their mood and to help provide some of the stabilizing effects that they were seeing while he, while this individual was on the ketogenic diet. So I think that this is an important consideration uh, once you have become metabolically flexible, you know, in addition to following some of the nutri- the, the nutrition parameters around calories and macronutrients, that using exogenous ketones as a way to augment not only your state of ketosis, but some of these pertinent brain uh, markers, I think is incredibly, I mean, for I, this is incredibly fascinating 
And for any of you that have uh, suffered from any type of anxiety or mood disorder in the past year, it's like 100% of us, uh, this may also um, might, might be something to consider as well. And he, of course, he goes on a little bit. I mean, the whole conversation of the whole podcast was amazing. It was like two hours of just geeky goodness. And he goes on a little, um, uh, a little, uh, <laughs> a little nerd, you know, a little uh, nerd rabbit hole uh, talking about GABA and glutamate and how GABA, which is primarily an inhibitory neurotransmitter, is made from glutamate. So when we are uh, supplementing, for example, with exogenous ketones, we can upregulate the production of GABA, which is more of a stabilizing neurotransmitter. It's more, uh, as I mentioned, inhibitory. And part of you know, the function of the brain, and I've said this uh, a couple times throughout the year, but I'll, I'll mention it here just before we get into Dom's um, clip, is that the frontal lobe or the higher centers of the brain, one of the primary objectives of your frontal lobe is actually to inhibit lower brain centers, like your limbic brain, uh, et cetera, so that your amygdala doesn't go all out and out of control. So being able to upregulate GABA, and it, it, of course, Dom is talking about this in the, in the context of seizures, um, but it, being able to upregulate GABA has profound um, influence or profound consequences, positive consequences uh, for mood regulation. And of course, when you're talking about a neurological disorder like seizures. There are people that are unwilling or unable to do the ketogenic diet for therapeutic purposes, or maybe even as a lifestyle. Uh, and in that case, exogenous ketones could be a good option for that. For that, but I think I kind of pitch it as a way to further augment the therapeutic efficacy of the ketogenic diet when it comes to neurological diseases, you know, cognitive function even lowering blood glucose, inflammation, anti-catabolic effects, um, mood. Uh, I was talking with uh, an organization last night on bipolar and their son has bipolar and was put on a ketogenic diet and it was the only thing that worked for them, but it was hard for him to stay on the ketogenic diet. And then they, uh, they acquired exogenous ketones and gave it to them and it worked remarkably well. But there are many different benefits that were unexpected in, our, in sort of our research efforts over the years where we were hyper-focused on seizures, but we acknowledge and we know now, even in the seizure world, that it's preventing seizures because it's making the brain work better. So you're giving an alternative energy substrate, you're uh, increasing the levels of GABA relative to glutamate. And we know GABA is sort of a brain stabilizing, neuroprotective, calming hormone, whereas many neurodegenerative diseases are pathophysiologically linked to excess glutamate, which causes an increase in, you know, uh, excitotoxicity, right? So, um, you know, it, and it's kind of interesting. We make GABA from glutamate through an enzyme called glutamic acid decarboxylase. So there's two enzymes, GAD 65 and 67, and they are increased with the ketogenic diet. And they're also increased independent of the ketogenic diet but with exogenous ketones. All right, next up, we have another top 10 uh, in the history of the podcast, Dr. Mindy Pels. Such a joy talking to this woman. This is a woman on a mission. And she is talking, reiterating what we've been talking about uh, sort of throughout the year and what I have talked about uh, as well in my body of work, that the goal is not to be in ketosis forever. The goal is to be able to switch efficiently from being a sugar burner to 
to a fat burner. Um, and the two, in her opinion, the, and I would agree with this, that the two best ways, um, to, you know, be able to efficiently switch and to get into fat burning is to pair fasting with keto. I always like to say it's like Jay-Z and Beyonce. It's like a power couple, like really great on their own, but together hot damn. It's like crazy in love. You get all the good, the, all the gooey, juicy goodness with fasting and keto and, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce. And then the other, and the other way of course is exercise. That's another really great way to get into fat burning. I am a big fan of fasted workouts, uh, again, as a way to, and typically in the morning is when I typically work out. So I am trying to deepen my state of ketosis before I refeed right afterwards. And yeah, so she, she's really talking about the goal is to sort of oscillate between sugar burners and fat burners. And I think, uh, her, her enthusiasm is contagious. So check out what she has to say. So this is such an important term. And I just wrapped my head around this about six months ago that the problem with diets is all we've been doing is trying to manipulate one style of metabolism. And we call it the sugar burner system. And I I feel like we should call it something else because when people think about the sugar burner Mm -hmm. system, they tend to think of it like, oh, well, I eat when I eat sugar. But this system is basically anytime you elevate your blood sugar, you're now getting energy from the sugar burner system. But you have a whole nother system that you have not been potentially trained or taught, which is your fat burning system. And the the best way, I I think it's probably the only way, but I'm going to say it's the best way to tap into this system is either to fast or to exercise. And the goal is not to just, you know, when you hear fat burner, everybody's like, oh, well, yeah, I want that. I want to be a fat burner. But that's not the goal. The goal is to know how to make yourself or get yourself to go in and out of these two states. It's part of the day you're a sugar burner, you're a healthy sugar burner, and part of the day you're a fat burner. So when we look at a diet like keto, what keto diet is doing is it's training your body to be a very smart sugar burner. And in some cases, when you make ketones, you will, you know, it's that indication that you're flipping over. But this is where I think that, you know, people, a lot of people do the keto diet without fasting. And I feel like we should all be fasting and all different lengths of fasts because it really makes the fat burning energy system so much more efficient. And it makes the switching so much easier to be able to switch in and out of these two states becomes easier and easier. But diets fail because all we've done is try to manipulate the sugar burner system. So I I would tell you never go on another diet again. Go figure out how what metabolic switching feels like for you. And Dr. Will Cole, author of Intuitive Fasting, uh, again, reinforcing this idea that keto or nuancing a ketogenic approach. So this has been reinforced by myself, by Dr. Sarah Gottfried, by uh, Dr. Mindy Pels, uh, and Dr. Dominic D'Agostino as well, that nuancing the ketogenic diet is the way to go. So he mentions a couple of different uh uh, types of patient populations. So he talks about seizures and neurological disorders, which we've seen with uh, Dom, uh, with autoimmune conditions. And these, and I've talked about, especially with my ladies with Hashis or hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is an autoimmune condition where the body attacks the thyroid. These women can actually benefit from a longer a longer time in ketosis. And I would actually argue 
particularly for my Hashi's uh, women, that a more aggressive type of keto, uh, you know, kind of bordering on carnivore uh, is going to be really appropriate here because we want to reduce, almost really aggressively reduce the carbohydrates in this patient population to help with um, some of the benefits that ketosis can offer. So uh, increasing short chain fatty acids, helping, uh, which, you know, uh, one of the, uh, one of the main ones being butyrate, which is going to help uh, with, is going to help with the hyper permeability of the intestinal lining. This is a big, big, big problem with my Hashi's, uh, women, these co-infections in the gut. Of course, there's all sort of immune dysregulation that being in a state of ketosis can, um, that can augment. And Dr. Cole talks about this idea that being in keto again, forever being in a state of ketosis, not a good idea. And lo and behold, uh, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, myself and Dr. Will Cole talk about this cyclical approach to a ketogenic diet, particularly if you are a woman who bleeds every month, if you are a menstruating woman, a woman in her reproductive years where you need these oscillating or vacillating levels of carbohydrates in the diet and, uh, and changing the macronutrient ratios that you are consuming through the year. Do you think that we should always be striving for ketosis? No, the average person, no. It's a tool in the toolbox. It's a form of, and I talk about the research of this in the book, is hormesis. It's an act, a hormetic effect in the body. It's a good stress. Um, and the dose matters and the context of the dose, depending on the person that's using it matters. So the point is, no, it's, it's, it's a tool to use in the toolbox. There are some people that need to use ketosis longer term therapeutically with different neurological disorders, obviously seizure disorders, people that have other neurological problems, people that have um, different autoimmune issues can really benefit from longer term ketosis. And they know intuitively when they go out of ketosis, they don't feel as good. So obviously the benefits outweigh any negatives for long-term ketosis. So that is part of that context for intuitively for them, that's what they need. The average person that's looking to just boost their energy levels, to push past the plateau, to lower inflammation, to support their gut health, that's not something that I find that the average person needs to be in ketosis longer term. And it's not even desirable because it's about that balance. And that's what metabolic flexibility is. I mean, you have to, the, the term flexibility means burn, burning both sugar and fat. So it doesn't mean that you always have to be in ketosis forever and ever. It just means, can you get the ability to, to actually be fat adapted? And then from there, you'll have the flexibility to burn both. So I actually advocate for a more of a cyclical approach, these vacillating fat and macronutrient uh, fluctuations as well. So we are um, both the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting both increase beta hydroxybutyrate. And that's why the ketogenic diet in many ways is mimicking fasting. So we are leveraging those benefits therapeutically from a food standpoint and a fasting standpoint, but we're lightening up on the fasting and we're increasing their clean carbohydrates to maintain that metabolic flexibility, which is really good for female hormones. If you're a cycling female, it's really good to get that kindling on the fire. I mean, if you're using that analogy where the fire is your metabolism or your energy for the day, but, uh, 
clean kindling is sugar, clean carbs. It's, it's going to create some light, but it's going to be short lived. Most people are living with kindling all day long because they're not fat adapted. So you, they get hangry. If they miss a meal, their blood sugar is all over the place. Cause they have to put six small kindling snacks throughout the day, uh, meals uh, throughout the day to maintain that blaze. Okay. There is cleaner kindling and dirty kindling, but it's all kindling. And if that was your only option, then pick, pick the cleaner kindling. But the point is the best fire, the best energy, the best metabolism, the best health is putting a log on the fire with kindling. And that putting a log on the fire is being fat adapted and being able to burn fat for fuel. So you have to put the work in to get the log on the fire. And then from there, the best sustainable long blaze of energy for your life is going to have both log and kindling or fat and sugar or carbs for um, fuel. Uh, so that's what the average person that's looking to optimize their health, what I would recommend. And that's what I do myself as well. And last but not least, Dr. Ethan Weiss, who is a cardiologist. We had a fabulous conversation all about cholesterol and the ketogenic diet. Now, Dr. Weiss had uh, quite a bit of fame uh, in the past year. Uh, his um, study on intermittent fasting uh, was very much uh, misinterpreted and misunderstood, I think, uh, from uh, by the general population um, and by many scientists, unfortunately, as well. Uh, we'll put a link to that uh, study. I've done a geeky magic on it. Um, but he, uh, in this clip, is talking about uh, hyper responders to the ketogenic diet. So he's talking about this idea that there are some people that, you know, they have a history of familial hypercholesterolemia, which is just high cholesterol, like there's a history in the family of high cholesterol, that these individuals are going to do very poorly, typically on a ketogenic diet that has high levels of saturated fat in it. So he gives a couple of options here, uh, some of them that I actually borrowed and put in my book, The Betty Body. One is, of course, you can modify uh, your ketogenic diet so that there are no saturated fats or little and minimal saturated fats. So you're having a lot of uh, MUFAs and PUFAs, which is polyunsaturated fatty acids, monounsaturated fatty acids. So primarily uh, your fat content is coming from avocados and olive oil and things like that. And uh, Dr. Weiss even talks about how he has sort of, a, I can't remember if this was on the podcast or this was like off camera, like after we had finished, but he was saying that he had, he has bottles of olive oil uh, in his office that he'll just sometimes like take a shot of olive oil, uh, which I think is pretty gangster. Uh, love that. And, um, and then another option, of course, for these, this particular subset of the population is to not do keto, which is not often a popular option, but sometimes is, um, necessary. And I write about this as well, uh, in the Betty body that not everybody is going to do well on the keto diet, particularly if you have, uh, you know, this FH, this familial hypercholesterolemia, uh, for example, other, other lipid markers like lipoprotein, uh, or, uh, LP little a, uh, other things, uh, like that. So enjoy this clip from Dr. Ethan Weiss. The first thing to do is to acknowledge that there are options. One option is to say, okay, well, maybe the net of all of this, of losing weight, of improving your insulin resistance, lower fasting insulin, you know, uh, better glucose homeostasis, all these other things, lower triglycerides, uh, maybe even shifting from pattern B to pattern A, maybe all of that offsets whatever risk a higher LDL cholesterol or non-HDL cholesterol might, might confer. 
And so I'm willing to take that chance. So that's one option. I think there are people out there who believe um, that, that we, that maybe that's the case. And there are also people out there who believe that maybe LDL itself or non-HDL or apolipoprotein, ApoB, all these things are probably not as harmful as everyone says. And so there's a huge debate. I think from my standpoint as a cardiologist and knowing what I know about the literature, I'm not in that camp. I certainly never going to tell anyone what they have to do, but I'm not going to give them, I'm not going to say, I think you should ignore this. So one option is to ignore it or to rationalize it. And, uh, and that's certainly not my favorite option, but there are at least three other options. So one of them you mentioned is to, to, to replace most or all of the saturated fat that the people have in their diet with unsaturated fats, monos and polys. And that's been shown in replacement studies going back now, 20, 30, 40 years that, you know, it is, whether it's all of it or not, it's a debate, but there is no doubt that there is an effect of increasing saturated fat on increasing levels of LDL cholesterol. So if you've reduced that and replaced that, not with carbohydrate, but with healthy fats, like you find in avocado and olive oil, then, then I think that's an option. And it's certainly helped, anecdotally has helped a bunch of my patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you know we're hoping to study that more robustly going forward. Um, another option, which I've you know talked to colleagues about that seems to work is to increase the carbohydrate intake a little bit. Uh, there are people who believe that you can do the same thing, continue to eat the same amount of saturated fat, but you can actually offset this hyper response by increasing carbohydrate content. I haven't played with that. And so it's hard for me to know. I haven't seen anything published. I know there are a couple of case reports that are supposed to be coming soon, but that's something okay. interesting. And then I think the last option, and this is one that sort of gets dismissed out of hand by most people, but Look, if you love the diet that you're on, you feel great, you've lost a bunch of weight and uh, you don't want to change it. You like eating what you eat and um, then there is always the option of taking a medicine and, and, you know, whether that medicine is a statin or a different kind of cholesterol medicine, I think that's a, an option. And so I have written prescriptions for people who just say, hey, look, I love doing what I'm doing. I love everything that's happened. I don't want to change what I'm eating. I want to I fix this with medicine. And, uh, and so that's definitely an option as well. Or they can just stop keto. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. So that's sort of the. That's also the. Uh, Which no one likes also, to hear. Well, that's also the kind of increasing carbohydrate part of it. Yeah. Or exactly. like you say, it's not. This is not for everybody. It's. Um, there's no doubt. Um, if they're worried, I guess my net of all this is, uh, you come down in really one of two camps where, you either worry about the cholesterol or you don't. And until the time in which we have evidence to tell me that we shouldn't worry about this kind of rise in cholesterol. Um, I think I'm going to worry about it. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, if I'm proven wrong, then we've, you know, we've basically been a little bit too careful, but I don't think I'm robbing anyone of anything important. If, if you, if I told you, you could have normal cholesterol. If your cholesterol is crazy abnormal eating mostly bacon, ribeye, you know, and butter all day long. And I can tell you, you can have all the benefits of keto and your cholesterol will come down, but you just have to change the composition of of fats that you eat. A lot of people say that's great. Sign me up. And in fact, a lot of people will say, I actually prefer to eat that way. I think eating the other way is kind of a little bit gross. Like it feels like gross. And uh, so I think the important thing is that people just understand that there are options uh, that to me more than anything else is like, if I could convey one thing to everybody, it's, you don't, there's not one way to do keto. And there are lots of options. And for the time being, my philosophy is don't dismiss the role of, of, uh, of cholesterol in developing this disease that, as you mentioned, is the number one killer of people in the world. 
Yes. All right. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And I must give you the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer here. This podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie, is for general information only. And the advice, recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship that has been formed and the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. In other words, guys, be smart about this. Take it with a grain of salt. Take this information to your primary healthcare provider and have a discussion with him or her to make the best choice that is for you. Remember, I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. And these conversations are meant for educational purposes only. 